Well, this morning uh, we have the privilege of looking at the book of Hebrews for our message. And uh, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Marty talked about Hebrews chapter 4 this morning and appreciated your, your comments on that. And the book of Hebrews is such a, an important book um, for many different reasons. But we're going to look at a, a section of Hebrews that is, uh, as I was reading through Hebrews, we've been doing a high school Bible study, and we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And when I came to chapter 12 and the portion we're going to be looking at this morning, I, I at once loved it and hated it <laughs> because it talks about something that's, that's good for us, but it's hard. Um, so we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 3, and uh, we're going to cover up through verse 11. So I want to start uh, by just reading that and then uh, praying. So if you would follow along with me, Hebrews chapter 12. If you're using one of the Bibles that are in the, in the chairs, it's on uh, page 948. And we encourage you always to, to grab your Bible and open it uh, because this is the Word of God and it is living and active and powerful. And so we encourage you to, to be reading along with us. So Hebrews Chapter 12, 3 through 11. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage in particular. And we ask that you would work in our hearts and our minds this morning to challenge us, to comfort us, to encourage us. And Lord, we don't always like discipline. It is unpleasant. But Lord, help us to see that it is good. And it is for our benefit. And Lord, we thank you that your discipline in our lives leads us towards holiness, leads us towards righteousness and Christ-likeness. And so we, we ask, Lord, that you will help me to speak clearly this morning, faithfully, about what this passage means and implies for our lives. And Lord, we 
we thank you that you are our Father who does not just let us have our way, who does not let us be, become spoiled children, but you discipline us and you train us and you lead us for your name's sake and for our good. And so, Lord, uh, help us this morning to, to see your goodness through your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. So like I said, uh, this scripture is one of those love it, hate it kind of things. And um, as I was reading over it and thinking about it, the, the thought came to my mind, there's, there's a lot of things in life that are kind of like that. We, we don't necessarily like it, but it's good for us, right? Um, eat your vegetables, right? Mom, I don't want to eat my vegetables, and then mom replies, well, eat your vegetables because what? They're good for you, right? The Brussels sprouts may not taste the best, but they're good for you, so eat them, right? No pain, no... Oh, that was kind of sad. No pain, no gain, right? When you decide to uh, go on a diet, that's... Not something that you really want to hear, but it's true, right? No pain, no gain. It's hard. It's hard work to go on a diet. It's hard work to exercise. It's tough. It may not be the most fun thing in the world, but it's good for you, right? The benefits far outweigh the, oh, I don't want to do it. And yet, how many of us are prone to let the, oh, I don't want to do it attitude steer us away? from those things. I'll raise my hand. <laughs> I am. I tend to be a weenie in some areas, but hey, that's me. You guys are better, right? There's a, a quote by Warren Wiersbe. He says, if you want to enjoy the rainbow, be prepared to endure the storm. I think that's the a good saying, right? Because we don't see the rainbow unless, what? It's raining, right? There's some unpleasantness, but there's also beauty. And this passage here, is the topic is discipline and discipline from God. And discipline is one of those things where um, we just have this natural tendency to, to not like it to want to get out from under any kind of discipline. We want to be free. We want to do whatever we want to do and not have to answer to anybody. And if anybody corrects us or says, oh, actually, you should go here, we, we just kind of naturally rebel against that. And yet, discipline is a part of the Christian life. It's a part of every Christian's life. You never get to the point where you are done being disciplined here on earth. There's always something more. It's not like you can, uh, you know, get saved and memorize a few verses and then you're good for the rest of your life. No, you are constantly being formed and transformed into the image of Jesus and that takes discipline. A little bit of history on the book of Hebrews. Um, 
book of Hebrews was written to a group of Christians, aren't exactly sure where they were, aren't exactly sure who wrote the book, but it's a very encouraging book. And these Christians were, were in an interesting circumstance. If you flip, flip back a few pages to chapter 10, look at Hebrews 10.32, and it says this, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, after you were saved, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. You see, the, the circumstances that these Christians found themselves in was that they came to know Christ, and it was amazing. Many of these uh, believers had come out of Judaism and the sacrificial system and the laws and obeying all those things and had found freedom in Christ and true salvation and true forgiveness of sins and a sacrifice that was once for all instead of every day, every week, every year, once for all in Christ. And they were overjoyed by this. And then persecution came. And it was tough. And some of them had to endure uh, all kinds of different financial hardships, relational hardships, and they responded well. I mean, basically, the writer is saying, remember those first days because even though persecution came, you responded well and you were encouraged and you kept going in your faith. But now, apparently, it had been a while. And that constant persecution, that constant um, guilt from others who were still in Judaism and saying, what are you guys doing? That constant pressure was starting to get to them and they were going, man, maybe this isn't really worth it. And so the writer of Hebrews writes to them to say, are you kidding me? Yes, it is worth it. Because you have Jesus now. And the overall theme or message of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better than anything. And so be encouraged, be hopeful, and persevere. Continue to endure those sufferings, those hardships, because it's worth it, totally worth it. But as we come to chapter 12, uh, these last couple chapters are where the writer gets just really practical with the, the audience, and he, he says, look, this is life. <laughs> this is the hard part about being a Christian is that you will face trials, you will face persecution, you will face hard times, but here's the key. Don't see it as if it's accomplishing nothing. Because all of these things come for a purpose. These things that you are suffering through, that you need comfort in, these things are God's discipline in your lives. And these things have the potential to draw you even closer and closer to your Savior and have the potential 
to, to shape your character and to mold you into the person that God really wants you to be. And so don't see these things as just, ugh, but see them as, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness to me as I go through this and help me to learn. Help me to see this not as pointless, but as discipline. Now, as we go through this, a definition of discipline that I'd like to give you. When I say discipline, what I'm thinking about is allowing or causing some sort of pain for the benefit of training someone, for the benefit of improving them. I forgot a key word. Lovingly allowing and causing pain for the benefit of training someone. That's kind of the definition of discipline that, that we're going to use here in these, in these verses. And that's important because that word discipline has uh, a range of meaning. And sometimes you may think of discipline as um, retribution. You've done something and now somebody's getting you back. That's not true discipline. That's not the discipline that's talked about here. You may think of discipline as, as just pure punishment. Like, I did something, I made somebody angry, and now they're pouring their anger out on me, and I'm being punished. And that's not necessarily what we're talking about either. So, discipline, lovingly allowing or causing pain for the benefit of training someone. Let's look into these verses here, and we start out in, in verse 3, um, looking towards Christ. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is, if you will, the, the motivation for going through the discipline of the Lord, through hard circumstances in our lives. And I hesitate to say this because sometimes it, it may seem kind of like a, a trite answer or just, oh, the right Bible answer to say to somebody who's going through some sort of hardship, oh, well, well, look to Christ, you know, look to God. And sometimes we go, yeah, thanks. But wait a second, isn't that the truth? I mean, isn't there encouragement in that? You know, sometimes we want to say, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, but hello, <laughs> Jesus, look at his life. Look at, consider what he went through for your sake, and then compare that to whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Is it a bad relationship? Is it a tough circumstance at work? You know, what is it? Well, think about Jesus, think about Christ and what he went through for your sake and then compare that, those two things, and you go, oh, hmm. Well, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> and thank you, Jesus, for all that you endured on my behalf, for my sake, to save me, a wretch like me, who was your enemy, 
and yet you went to the cross. And you endured such pain and such suffering on my behalf. And Lord, you tell me that in this situation, you're working for my good. Romans 8, 28. All things work out for good for those who are called, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything will be all happy-go-lucky, but it means something good is potentially there if you will submit and if you'll go through this situation properly and submit to God's discipline in your life. So consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And isn't this what we tend to do when we face hostility? We tend to get weary or we tend to get faint-hearted. We tend to want to say, oh, I'm just tired of this. Just make it stop. Or we get faint-hearted, meaning we, we lose courage, we lose hope. Our, our heart or our strength becomes weak and faint. You know, and what the writer is, is telling us is you will find strength and you will find perseverance in considering Christ. It's part of the answer. It's part of the disciplining process to look to Christ. Verse 4. Another real encouraging verse. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Come on, you wuss. You're not bleeding yet. Probably not quite like that, but <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the idea there is consider Christ, consider what he did, and consider your circumstances, and in comparison, they're probably small. Now, I realize, too, that I'm talking to a group of people who live in a country that enjoys great freedom, and we are so blessed. And there are literally people in this world who are believing, who are facing death and torture every day because of their faith. This wasn't what the Hebrews' circumstances were necessarily. And so the writer says, you're not in that point yet. You're not at that point. So take courage. And I can say that to myself and to you also, we're not at that point where we're at fear for our lives every day because we claim the name of Christ. That could happen. We pray that it doesn't, but take courage because it's not there. And um, that is a great blessing from the Lord. We should find comfort in that. On to verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now here's where uh, the writer gets, gets personal. And he says, you know what? Guys, you have to see the bigger picture here. You have to see that 
the, the troubles that you are facing, the circumstances that you, in, that you are in, your fight against sin that it talks about in, in verse 4. It says that we're all struggling against sin. All of this comes not because God hates you, not because God has forgotten you, but because you are his son, because you are his daughter. These things come for a reason. And the reason is God, as your heavenly father, wants to discipline you, wants to train you, wants to help you to become more like himself. And there is a, a great comfort again and a great encouragement in knowing that God considers us who have put our faith in him as his sons and daughters. And what father, what good father would needlessly subject their son or daughter to something bad, to hardships, to persecution? The answer is, no good father would. But why would a father subject his son or daughter to persecution or hardship? Because there's something good that can come out of it. Because there's training that is involved in it. Because on the other side of it, things are going to be better than they were before. If you look back just a little ways to, to verse 2 in this chapter, um, it's, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, there's theological reasons for that, but part of it is he was looking past the cross to the good and to the joy that there was going to be when it was over. And it gave him strength. It gave him encouragement to go through that horrible suffering. And we, as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, need to look to our older brother, Jesus, and have that same attitude and that same comfort and same um, confidence in our Father. If we uh, continue on here into verse 7, it says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. And again, he's just reemphasizing you are sons. You are loved. You are family. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's a good question, isn't it? Um, I know a little bit about fathering. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean that like false humility. I'm just saying like I know a little bit. <laughs> and, and there's a lot more that I need to know. But here's one thing that I do find myself doing on a regular basis with my son and my daughter is I love them. I want them to be normal human beings. And so when they do things that contradict that, I say, Tyler, Emily, and I reprove, I correct, I discipline. Why? Because I'm a big meanie? 
Who said yes? <laughs> Amanda. That's what is tempting, right? And your kids think that, don't they? Mom and dad, they're so mean. But is it true? No, it's not. It's I love them. I want good for them. And so I discipline them. And all the kids in here are going, yeah, right. And all the adults in here are going, yeah, right. To God sometimes in our lives, right? Because when we face hardships, when we face things that we don't like, what do we do? God, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Mom, dad, what do you mean? It's the same attitude. We've gotten bigger, but we have the same problem with our attitude, don't we? When it comes to discipline, we don't like it. I don't like it. I need to like it. I should like it. Not like in the sense that I'm like weirdly saying, yay, here comes persecution, but I should be looking forward to the results of it. And what father is there that doesn't discipline his son? What good father is there? There isn't one. And that's what verse 7 says in verse 8. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And here's the thing. As I'm walking through them all, I may see other kids and think to myself, well, they need some discipline. But do I discipline them? I don't. Why not? They're not mine, right? And so I don't discipline them. So if you are receiving discipline and it seems like you're praying to God and you're in a good relationship with him, but whatever it is, is still there, then guess what? You can assume that this is within the will of God for your life and he's got a reason for it. And so as you go through it and as you pray and as you ask him for help, you got to have that attitude that, hey, I'm being disciplined and this is actually a good thing because it proves my sonship. It proves that I am a daughter of God. Because if I weren't, he wouldn't discipline me. Um, I'm thankful for uh, Zach. Zach had a, uh, a quote on Facebook I think it was this last week by Tim Keller. So this isn't really Zach, but he brought it to my attention. Uh, Tim Keller is a, a good author, and he uh, says this. One of the worst things God can do to his people is to let them have what they want, to give them up to their desires. Romans 1 talks about that. If proud people get success, if greedy people get wealthy, and if lustful people achieve physical beauty... It only confirms them in their illusions about their ability to achieve their own happiness, and that will lead to greater despair in the end when all these supposed paradises become dead ends. Only Jesus' living water will satisfy. And I bring that quote up because one of the, the truths that the Bible talks about is that if you are not God's, 
then yes, he may punish you in the sense of like enough sin, you're wiped out. Think Sodom and Gomorrah. But the other thing that he might do is just not discipline you. Give you over to what you really want. Romans 1, 21 through 24 says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their desires. And why would he do that? Because they're not his. And one of the things that we too often get distracted by are, is, is looking around at other people and saying, well, they're getting what they want. They got money, they got the car, they got the job, they got this, they got that, and here I am. Well, you have to consider that maybe they're getting the job and the car and this and that, but maybe they're gaining the world and forfeiting their soul because they're not his. And if they were his, maybe things would be different. God disciplines. He, he works with his kids. And one of the unfortunate things that he doesn't do is he doesn't work with those who aren't his. And that's a sad thing. Moving on to 9 and 10. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. And here's the thing. You know, he's drawing a, a comparison between earthly fathers and our heavenly father. And he, and he says that our earthly fathers disciplined us and we respected them. And, you know, to think about that, what good father doesn't get invested in the life of their children and, and help them through hard times, but also sometimes let them learn from their mistakes. And sometimes when they do something wrong, say, well, because of this, now we need to do this and implement some discipline. What father is there that, that doesn't do that? But here's the thing. Verse 10, they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Just like a, an earthly father is trying to help their son or daughter to uh, do whatever it is, improve their character, study harder, get a job, whatever it is, they're doing what they, see, what they see to be the best thing. But the cool thing is that God is not uh, limited in his vision, and he sees what's really good. Now, I have to admit, as a father, I think I've made mistakes. I think, I know, that sometimes when I've disciplined my kids, it's not been out of a heart of love. It's been out of a 
well, you just made me angry. And it's not always been for their good, but praise God, his discipline is for our good. And the end that it leads us to is holiness. He disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Now there's an elephant in the room here. You know what it is? It's this idea of fathers, right? Because some of you may read this and go, yeah, maybe your father, not mine. Because mine was horrible. And that is such a shame that, that some of you have had to endure horrible fathers who neglect, who abuse, who don't care about your good. They care about their good. And it's such a shame that that's even here on this earth. But there are some really bad fathers out there. But you have to you have to be able to see past those bad examples to the ultimate example. Because this isn't saying that God is going to treat you like one of those horrible fathers. This is saying that God is the ultimate father. And he knows the ultimate good. And he wants to lead you towards that. So you can trust him. Maybe you can trust your earthly father, but you can trust him. And, you know, that's just uh, a sad thing that the uh, fathers of this world don't perfectly represent God. But those of us who love him strive for that. We're called to do that. In many places in the Bible, we're called to, to point our kids towards, towards Christ, towards his word, to teach them, to love them, to encourage them. And so even that, for us fathers out there, is a form of discipline in that God is saying, here's how I treat my kids. How do you treat your kids? Here's how I want you to act towards your children. How do you act towards your children? And even that is, is a form of discipline for us as men, as fathers. We need to look to the ultimate father and, and learn. And then when I do get angry and I do say something that I shouldn't towards my kids, I need to go back and I need to confess. And I need to say, I'm sorry. That was wrong. That was not a good fatherly thing to do. And that's God's discipline in my own life, but hopefully that's a good example for my son or my daughter that, you know, your earthly father isn't perfect. He's trying to do his best. Um, verse 10, for a short time they fathered, they, seemed, they did what seemed best to them, but the, the great news is that he 
God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. He is the best father there is. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And here's really, you know, what it comes down to is discipline is tough. It's not pleasant. But we have to be able to look past the unpleasantness towards what it can yield. And verse 11 says that later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's the, the hope of this passage. You know, as I said before, the, the Hebrews, the people that were uh, in these circumstances had hard things going on. They were facing uh, a lot of difficult situations from people around them. They were facing struggles that came from within them, from their own sin, from their own hard hearts and, and bad attitudes. And, and there were all kinds of things that, that were starting to, to just kind of weigh them down. And they're like, Ugh, is this even worth going? I don't like this. And the author is writing to say, no, this is worth it. And this is the process of discipline. This is how God works in your life. He brings challenges. He brings painful, unpleasant situations into your life. He does it because he loves you. And he does it because he wants you to be trained by it. And here's the cool thing is that he doesn't just say, ah, all right, let's see how Ryan handles this all by himself. No. It's, all right, Ryan, here's the situation. Let's tackle this. Let's do this. And if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you walk by the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit will be evident. If you submit to God's work in your life and go through these situations with his strength and his encouragement and looking to other believers, you can get through them. But the cool thing is that it's at the end of it, you look, turn around and go, wow, thank you, Lord, for getting me through this. It's from him, but he also helps you through it. And the point is that at the end of it, that we would give God the glory for everything. Whether it's easy circumstances or hard, whether we feel like we're just flying through life and things are great, or whether we're like, man, this is tough. God deserves the glory in all of it. And this is your life for as long as you're here. There will be discipline. There will be hard circumstances. So be ready for it and be excited about it. Don't grow weary. Don't be faint-hearted. Because God loves you. And his discipline and work in your life is proof that he does love you. It's proof that you're his son, that you're his daughter. Remember that you are a child of the king and it is good and normal for fathers to discipline.
And here's the last thing. I could spend a lot of time on this, but I can't. The last phrase says, to those who have been trained by it. Discipline yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So the last word of encouragement is be trainable. Because we can resist. We can say, ugh, this again. And we can ignore it. We can get around it. We can just not be trainable, not be moldable. And if we do that, then yes, life is hard and life is tough. And most likely you're going to hit that same wall over and over and over and over and over and over because you haven't been trained. You're unwilling to be trained by it. We have a part in this, be trainable. Work with the spirit towards righteousness. So, wrap things up. Uh, I love this portion of scripture, but I don't love it. <laughs> but I really do. Because discipline is something that is in every Christian's life. It's just something we go through. But the thing is, we have to not see it as, oh, this is just life and something I go through. But this is life, something I go through, and it's for a purpose. Because those whom God loves, he disciplines. And remember, our, our definition is that discipline is lovingly allowing or causing pain for the benefit of training. So it's not pointless. There's something that God wants to do through this. So be encouraged by that and look forward to it and pray towards that end. Lord, I'm having a tough time in this. Help me learn. Open my eyes. Help me see what's going on here because I trust that you have a plan even in this, whatever it may be. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I do hope that we are encouraged and um, excited about discipline. Lord, uh, I thank you that you love us enough to confront us when we need to change our attitude, actions. I thank you that you uh, present us with circumstances where we have to trust you. Thank you that you present us with circumstances where we have to call out to you and say, Lord, I need fill in the blank. Because as our Father, you, you love to supply those things and you love to help us in those circumstances and you love to see us drawn closer to you and closer to the image of your Son. And so, Lord, discipline us, give us strength, help us to encourage each other in the different areas of our lives where, where we may be struggling. And Lord, we, we thank you for being our loving Heavenly Father. We thank you for your discipline. In Jesus' name, amen.